anyone ever uses the phrase crazy to describe you or your partners, you're doing something amazing. That's Michelle Eggers, co-founder and CEO of Biomilk, a lactation science company that is disrupting the infant nutrition space with its cultured breast milk. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom, and this is the Food for Thought podcast. For the next half hour, listen as Michelle and I talk about how the Biomilk team is changing the way we think about infant nutrition. We talk about the science, the safety, and the strategies behind this revolutionary approach to cultured food. We also tackle the topics of funding, naysayers, and how to know you're on the right track with your product. Enjoy the episode. I am excited to have Michelle Eggers of Biomilk with me on the podcast today. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me today, Erin. I am excited for not only what you're doing, but also to allow the rest of our audience to learn more about what you're doing if they don't know already. So let's jump in. Um, could you explain what your team is doing at Biomilk? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for us at Biomilk, we really are addressing the fundamental problem that we see affecting a huge proportion of humanity, which is making incredible trade-offs and trying to feed your children. We see today that for 84% of moms here in the U.S., they have to move partially or exclusively to infant formula before the six months of recommended exclusive breastfeeding period is up. And well, for a lot of mothers, that's a choice they've made on their own, and we wholly support them in that. For a lot of moms, it's an incredibly fraught decision with a lot of shame and stigma, because we do know that there are scientific implications on development, cognitive health, muscular um, growth, and the potential that children are able to reach when they're fed breast milk versus infant formula, bovine-based infant formula. And so for us, um, my partner Layla, who's a PhD cell biologist, and myself, a, a dairy scientist, really saw that there was such potential to start to use, you know, future lactation science technology to really create a product of breast milk outside of the body and help support those parents who are making incredible trade-offs about how to adequately feed their children um, in a way that they can get a higher nutritional product than bovine-based infant formula today and don't have to make as many um, really tough choices about how to feed their kids, whether at the breast or at a bottle. One of the things you mentioned is your background. And I know your background mm -hmm. is in food science and infant nutrition. And your co-founder, Layla, has a PhD in cell biology. How did you both meet? And what prompted you both to launch this? Layla's been working on this far longer than I have. Um, she started working on optimizing lactation science and, and, and milk process um, creation outside of the body starting in 2013. Um, she had just finished her postdoc at Stanford, um, had just moved to North Carolina with her, with her husband and new son, and had a heck of a time trying to breastfeed and really felt like, how is it that I can have had so much training and be so accomplished and capable in so many other parts of my life and still unable to just get enough adequate nutrition for my child? And um, it was kind of at the beginning emerging point of cellular agriculture is, is the field we most closely associate with, which is really the idea of using cells to produce useful products for humanity for consumption, whether that be meat or, in our case, milk. And um, she became just deeply fascinated and in love with this 
problem to solve as she was actively working on it with her own son and, and soon her daughter thereafter. And also with just the idea that um, human mammary epithelial cells are the cell types that we're utilizing are, are incredibly robust. You know, they have 178 million years of evolution that have really made them optimized for producing the perfect nutritional balance to provide and, and life and, and thrive for infants. And so when I met Layla in 2019, she was deep already into this work. She had worked on it in bovine cells first um, and we had just transitioned into human, finally being able to afford uh, human cells, which are not inexpensive, as you can imagine. Um, and it, it was really kind of a match made in heaven. You know, a mutual friend had seen that my work through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and through my passion for combating food insecurity and malnutrition through global health, global development, really um, had brought me to a place where I, I saw infant nutrition as the next foray marketplace to unlock human potential. And it felt to me like infant formula companies for far too long had really been allowed to just profit off the backs of moms and babies. Um, and so as someone with no kids, uh, I'm, I'm not a mother myself, um, being introduced to Layla, weirdly already obsessed with infant nutrition um, on my end, and, and of course her having already spent many years along this journey, it, it was kind of like finding your, your better half in some ways where she really had the technical ability and this beautiful ready-to-commercialize technology and, and needed someone else who believed in her and believed in the product and could bring other skills around infant nutrition, food science, and business development, sustainable development, um, and, and we just kind of hit the ground running. I, we were just laughing about actually, we're, we're about a year old um, as of a week ago when we officially would call ourselves, you know, truly Biomilk, not just two weird ladies working on this bizarre project. <laughs> um, and it's been a wild ride. I mean, we're, we're a year old, which is a huge milestone in the life of a, a child and a huge milestone in the life of a startup in that, you know, we really went from two people trying to garner enough energy and excitement around this idea that it had potential to be fully vetted and tested to now we're a full-time team of 10. Um, all we do is work on the fundamental science and, and optimizing the product to be ready to launch and get to your regulatory testing. Um, and where she and I used to have discussions in a vacuum about wouldn't it be amazing if we can give this product to mothers, you know, just this morning what I, what I hopped to before I joined you, Erin, was a, a team education session in which we were doing some empathy training with the broader team about what the challenges mothers face are, um, talking through some of the interesting comments and threads that have come off of articles that have been written about us and reaching out to individuals to hear more about their stories. And that work is not something I think Layla or I could even have dreamed of, of happening a year ago last week. Well, let me be one of the many, I hope, that says happy birthday to <laughs> the Biomilk team. My question for you, and I'm going to ask this because it may seem like a no-brainer, but piggybacking off of what we were just talking about, who is the target market for Biomilk? And more specifically, who is using or could use culture breast milk, and probably most importantly for the audience to understand the target market, why would people be using this? You know, we, we put moms especially at the center of everything we do and, and what we talk about because there is such beauty in breastfeeding for so many women and for a lot of moms and, and fathers, um, caregivers, I suppose, suppose more broadly, breastfeeding, infant nutrition, trying to figure out how to feed your child is one of the really big important decisions you have to make shortly after you've received this, this tiny little baby in your arms that you're supposed to figure out how to care for and raise. And um, it, it comes with incredible weight 
and, and parents really feel that. A lot of parents really feel that. So as we look at kind of our, our core target market, you know, it's, it feels a little ridiculous to say, oh, it's mothers between this age and this age with this income, because it's really not. It, it really fundamentally goes to women and families that need this product, that they today are being faced um, with, with truly unacceptable choices. You know, they either have to breastfeed, um, which for some women is very easy and for others is incredibly painful and very uncomfortable, or even in some cases just not biologically possible, or utilize infant formula, which is made from powdered cow's milk and, and powdered vitamins and minerals, which, while it can support life, definitely doesn't enable children to thrive um, in, in many different ways. And so, and parents know that, and they really internalize that, that shame and guilt that comes with making a choice that a lot of people think is wrong or think is bad. So when we talk about target market, you know, we really look at this as, as much as a nutritional product as, as an empowerment product in many ways. So you know, mothers who are in dual career households or are single moms where they're making, um, you know, trying to make do with, with what they have both in their careers and with their families, it, it's kind of unrealistic to expect exclusive breastfeeding for a lot of parents. Um, and they end up turning to the next best tool they have, which is infant formula. So we really see ourselves layering in where parents are making those choices, you know, breastfeeding already for them. They've tried and, and hopefully have been supported in that effort, um, but still it's coming up short for where they need to be, and now they're looking for other alternates, which is really where we get to stand up and say, hey, rather than buying some powdered milk at an extreme markup um, <laughs> that will just support the life of your child, we can give you something better and we can enable you to really feel good about the choices that you're making and feel supported in being able to feed your child something as close to what would come out of your body as possible. You know, we, we get a lot of press or a lot of discussion about custom breast milk. That's absolutely something we can do, which is really exciting for a lot of people to think that they could have a small cell sample taken, male or female, and have breast milk produced exactly as, as their body would make it. But as as much as that area is, is of excitement and is a first foray into market for us, where we get excited is this idea of, of being available on shelf directly beside other infant nutrition products and being able to be cost competitive in a way that when you're trying to make these really challenging decisions, you're not weighing how much does it cost, can I afford it, uh, do I have to have it made in advance, instead can just make a choice that's best for you and best for your family and, and have it be really a no-brainer. I'm sure you've received questions as to the safety of uh, this kind of breast milk. Can you speak to the, the safety of the cultured aspect uh, for babies? So we're leveraging technology where um, we're really just giving a construct for these cells to grow outside of the body and produce milk just as they would inside the body. So the cell type that we're utilizing comes directly from the mammary glands or from the mammary surface. And um, it, it really, outside of the body, essentially forms another tissue layer where it's able to produce that 2,500-plus components, macro and micronutrients of breast milk in perfect constellation, which is exactly what it would do in the body. Um, and so really being good shepherds of cells and pulling technology mainly from pharma biologics production means that we're actually growing the cells and producing milk in a manner that enables them to be sterile um, so there's no worry of contamination, um, you know, my, microbial concerns. The product is, is sterile and very clean. Um, and, and then on top of that, you're also really letting the cells do the heavy lifting. So, you know, we're, we're not doing an incredible amount of manipulation. We're really more good shepherds than we are good 
good farmers, I would say, and that we're really giving them a, an environment where they feel safe, warm, and comfortable to be able to produce milk, and then providing these cells with the nutrients as they would receive in the body, out of the body, to be able to start lactation and produce the product. Um, and that means for us that, you know, we really, we really are making breast milk. <laughs> you know, we use cultured breast milk as a moniker because, of course, we don't want any confusion that we're not exactly mother's milk. You know, we're not coming from a, a human woman's body. However, um, the, the milk on a, you know, component-level basis is comparable um, nutritionally to breast milk, and that's really where, from a safety concern aspect, there's, there's, really, not, there's really not much. And, you know, we always get the question, like, oh, well, it's grown in a lab or, it, you know, it, it's made in a, in a way that feels unnatural. But honestly, the, the cells are doing exactly what they're programmed to do naturally. And really, for us, the, the kind of technological ability of being able to, to leapfrog to bring that outside of the body is really what's different. But it has very little outcome or impact on the milk. The cells are what produce the milk in the body and out. Where? So have to kind of remind um, our team members when they're talking to other folks that um, what we're doing sounds like pigs flying to a lot of people, but in the scientific field within, we, within which we work, it's really just pulling together a number of disparate fields and, and capabilities from a, across a bisect of pharma, food, and, and nutrition. And so um, it sounds crazy, but ideas um, that are world-changing usually do until they're here. So. It's, it's fun to be on the other side of it. I think we're, we're, we're all not as mind-blown every day, um, but yeah. we have to remind ourselves sometimes of just how, how crazy it sounds and feels when, when realistically it is kind of the next evolutionary moment of, of science as we know it in a lot of ways. Where are you in terms of the go-to-market strategy? Is this something that consumers can purchase now? Can they contact your team now about it? Where do things stand at the moment? Yeah, so we are still in R&D phases. We do not have any product that's available. We'll be entering regulatory testing in the next year. Um, but until we get approval from the regulatory bodies that be, um, this isn't a product that's going to be available to consumers, which is, is honestly really frustrating. Um, we're quite close and feel quite comfortable with the product that we've made. Um, but we have a lot of, of regulatory hurdles to prove safety and efficacy in place, as, as it should be. I mean, we're feeding the most precious beings on the planet. Um, but definitely for us, when we look to, to you know, go to market, as it's phrased, you know, we're probably, probably about three years away from a product being available online or available on a shelf for a consumer to, to purchase. That being said, um, we are incredibly active with communities of, of mothers, of stakeholders, of parents, of clinicians right now. In addition to the deep R&D work that we're doing, we're also doing a, a lot of consumer listening, I would say, um, really trying to co-create this product hand-in-hand -hand with other people who have strong beliefs and opinions about how it should be used or created. And so we do have a Contact Us box on the website. We diligently follow up on that. Uh, if you have questions for us, you're welcome to pop them in there. If you want to set up a time to talk with a team member and tell us about your feeding journey or your thoughts or your concerns, we'd be happy to do so. Um, and we encourage folks to really in collaborate and engage actively because while this is, is not a quick fix, it's not something that shows up online overnight, um, it's something that we believe really will have the potential to revolutionize how we feed humanity. And everyone should really have a voice in being able to make sure that they feel that's done responsibly, ethically, and appropriately for the future. You mentioned stakeholders, and 
I noticed on your website, one of BioMilk's advisors, um, Shazi Bizram, she is one of food processing's kick-ass women in food, which I founded, mm-hmm. so huge fan. Um, <laughs> how does she get involved with what you're doing at BioMilk, and what is her role? Shazi is a number one cheerleader <laughs> for us. Um, Shazi, you know, has had such passion for infant nutrition and for getting better options to parents from her, from her time, you know, Happy Family Brands development, um, from her time where she was internal at, at Danone, and then now we're, what she's doing at Healthy Nest, which I would encourage anybody who's listening who has kiddos in their household should actually go look, look at her website, healthynest.com. They have some of the coolest products for families. Um, and she continues to just amaze me in what she can multitask and manage as, as a mom, as a woman, as, a, as an entrepreneur. So, um, I, I agree with you. I very much fangirl about Shazi. In fact, for woman, every time I talk to her, I'm sure she's like, you stop fangirling and just ask me your questions. Um, but she's, she's been truly an invaluable resource in thinking through how we co-create with moms, how we address the challenges and questions that families are going to have, um, and then also to be advocates for ourselves in this space. You know, being two female entrepreneurs, scientists, um, you walk into many rooms and, and feel like maybe you don't deserve to be there or people are judging you or maybe you're not the right people or don't have the right experience. And, you know, we, Layla and I believe pretty early on that we really were the right team to do this, but at many moments needed someone to be like, yeah, you are. <laughs> um, and this is what you should go do or you should go ask them for this or like don't let them tell you how it should be done. You're the one who should be telling them how it should be done. And Shazi is absolutely that you know, a, a kick-ass woman in food um, in that she really is that cheerleader, is that voice, um, will take the middle-of-the-night text being like, I don't know what to do about this and respond right away. You know, we're, we're really grateful and feel really lucky, honestly, that someone who has such experience and has made the mistakes and will blatantly say, I made this mistake, don't do it again, um, is, is cred- incredibly invaluable in a space that's really emotional, really politicized, and requires really deft touch in really communicating what you're trying to uh, with parents and, and with everyone else who has opinion about breastfeeding, which ironically, I like to always point out, you know, we talk about moms getting such mommy, mommy shame, right, or being guilted in a variety of choices that they make, not just feeding their kids, but all kinds of things that they choose for their children, especially here in the U.S. Um, and starting a company as a woman is no different. Um, everything that you do is scrutinized. Everything that you say, um, people doubt or ask deep questions about that they absolutely do not ask your male colleagues. Um, and so just having a female kick-ass founder of, of both the past and today to really reinforce, like, no, what you're doing is right and, and you should believe in you. Um, not every entrepreneur needs it, but we definitely have, and, and we value her so much for that. In June, BioMilk had announced that it raised $3.5 million in funding. Can you talk to me about the financial backing and, you know, almost to your point, the, the walking into the room as two female um, entrepreneurs? How has BioMilk been received by your investors? Yeah, I, I think fundraising for us, we were really lucky in that our idea – um, of who we were serving and how we were serving them was very clear, and we are the right people to do that. We are not men in dark suits trying to tell a whole room of people that we know how moms feel um, and that you know we know how to support parents and it, it, and it ringing hollow. We really genuinely do, and, and really 
are excited to be able to support parents in their journeys, and that, that comes through very clearly, which when you're looking at investing in co-founder pairs especially, you know, it's about the experience that they have, both technical and non, um, and then whether they're believable and that what they're doing really is their mission. It's not just something on the paper. Um, and for us, that's, that comes through very clearly. And so I think we early on as two women were probably a little bit um, too cautious in some ways about not just being very explicit about what we wanted and who we were. I think early on we were very like, oh, well, we, you know, the product has all these potential impacts and it could also be profitable and it could be this. And then when we would get into more deep conversation with the right type of investor, uh, it was clear that we, we, we didn't, pardon my language, we didn't give a shit about making money, um, which is not what investors want to hear. And the right type of investor knew that that was okay because this is a profitable business idea on its own. It will have such potential to change a really challenging problem for a large proportion of our humankind. And therefore, it will be a good business, but you don't have to make it about making money to have it be a good business. And so uh, I think we early on kind of tiptoed around the fact that like, we weren't doing this because it was sexy and cool and we wanted to move to Silicon Valley and make a bunch of money. We were doing this because moms deserve better and we believe that we can give them better. And I think the folks that that resonated with and that they believed in us, that those are who became our investors. Um, and, and we were really lucky in that we had a far oversubscribed round and we really got to pick who we wanted to work side by side with us as we answer some of these really gnarly hard questions. Um, and have no regrets about who we went with in those rounds. We actually have a, a board meeting um, this week that's it's always exciting to be able to show all the progress that we've made and some big and exciting announcements coming in the next couple of months that we'll be thrilled to share more broadly with the world. Um, but that initial fundraising round, I think, taught us a lot about what BioMilk meant to us and who we were in that work. And now we don't waste any time trying to tell anybody um, anything other than that we are pioneering a new generation of lactation science to better the lives of women and babies. And that's what we do. How does it feel to be an <laughs> industry disruptor? <laughs> Gloriously terrifying. Can I, can I use that simultaneously? Um, yeah, I, I mean, some days, some, so, so let me give you an example, actually, the conversation, you know, we just had um, this week was like, we've, we've really been trying to decide how to navigate this world of fed is best versus breast is best, which are these two really entrenched camps of people who believe, um, you know, infant formula, breast milk, um, soy powder, whatever you want, as long as you fed your baby, you're doing the best you can as a mom, which is a totally wonderful sentiment. Uh, we very strongly support and believe that parents should be allowed to make the choices of how they want to feed their own kid. But there's all of these other like preconceived notions around informed is best or, or people should really have like more understanding and more knowledge of infant nutrition before they make a choice, which feels very condescending in my opinion. And then you have the other side, which is breast is best, which has been reinforced by large medical agencies, by international NGOs, including the WHO and other groups, that well, the intention has been great around breast milk is the highest nutritional quantity for your child, it has created a lot of the shame and stigma that we do see in parents and, and amongst moms in that um, if breast is best and you can't do breast, then what are you as a parent? And nobody wants to be told, like, yeah, you're, you're doing your best to raise your child, but it's not good enough. Try harder. And so, like, both, both camps for us feel, feel really judgmental and have a lot of kind of baked in um, – stigma that, that comes from both both sides. And so we, we were talking about this week, like we're kind of turning both of them on their head and, and saying like, how, who are we to decide what is best? 
Like mm-hmm. we are just another company trying to provide another option and empower parents to make the right decision for themselves, whatever that decision is. We will support them in that, whether it's us or something else or some other way of feeding their child. And um, I think that that level of being able to take a step back and be like, we're already disrupting the industry. We don't look like any of the products that exist in quote-unquote infant nutrition. And we don't even consider ourselves an infant nutrition company. We are a lactation science company. Um, Let's stop trying to fit ourselves in the boxes of this antiquated system that was designed by white men in the 50s uh, to enable women to go out and work in the workplace. Like, let's reimagine and rethink about how do we want to support our customers and drop the tropes of the past that don't necessarily apply to the challenging and ever-changing world that we live in. And I think moments like that, you do not get to have if you're not an industry disruptor. You don't get to say, like, nah, I don't like any of the sloganeering that's happening. I'm going to work on, on what is meaningful to me um, without really being able to disrupt fundamentally the way we think about how we feed babies and feed humanity. I feel like what you're saying, too, with the, the stigmatizing, it definitely has hit differently in this past year. Um, and I could go on for hours more on a separate conversation um, of how um, things have hit and impacted women um, in the past year with working and decisions they've had to make. One of the things that my prediction for 2021 is or has been we're going to see a lot of great innovation that all of these sourdough starters and all these things that people have come to, you know, do things with because, you know, I, idle hands, new ideas, there's going to be just an outpouring of, you know, product development and innovation in the next year, year and a half that for anyone listening who maybe is thinking of dipping their toe into the, you know, food and beverage or just this whole segment. Any advice you'd give our listeners who have an innovative idea, but they are not sure, almost maybe kind of clueless on where to start? I I think Layla and I fell into that camp, you know, 18 months ago probably in some ways of um, it feels really daunting. And um, the best thing I can say is if people say, wow, that's crazy, or you're crazy, or like when our mutual friend introduced Lila to me, she was like, I know this crazy woman who's trying to make milk outside of the body. If anyone ever uses the phrase crazy to describe you or your partners, you're doing something amazing. (laughs) Um, And that it's entirely okay to feel a little scared, to not know what you're doing, to have moments of whether warranted or not imposter syndrome, that that is all a part of the process of really proving that something is amazing and has amazing potential, um, even if it started crazy. And so I, I don't have like a, here's step one for how you get your innovative idea off the ground. You know, every situation is different. Everyone faces different challenges um, and, and different roadblocks and hurdles. But if you feel compelled in your bones that what you're doing is important for people or for the world, um, take where you're crazy with pride. <laughs> take it all in stride and, and know that the fact that it sounds crazy to other people probably means that it's actually really meaningful and really important. Um, and I, I think there were many moments, Layla and I reflecting in the last year, where one or the other of us felt totally discouraged 
and didn't know what to do and, and wasn't sure if we were doing it right or if we were on a good path or if it was going to be successful. We both had taken huge bets on our personal lives to be able to do this and both I think had our moments of like, we've made a terrible, terrible mistake <laughs> and like, what, what are we doing here? And um, finding someone else who, who instead of hearing crazy, hears amazing is incredibly important and you have to have that other person, whether that's a business partner, whether that's your partner in life, whether it's just a friend who gives you strong encouragement, whether it's an investor, like you have to have other people around you that when everyone else is saying crazy, oh my gosh, so weird, uh, gross, uh, ooh, I don't know, they're the person going like, you've got this and what you're doing is amazing and it's going to be important. Um, so just finding that, that person is really, really vital. I think when I look back on our time together, Layla and I, obviously from a skill set and a, you know, life and everything else point of view, like we were really, really well paired. Um, but in normal day-to-day -day life, I would never have met Layla. I would never have worked with Layla. Our paths would probably never have crossed. Um, and yet I, she's one of my closest friends and, and most trusted people in my life because we both are so invested in what we're doing and believe that it's so important for the world that everything else kind of melts away. It has been so great talking to you today. And I just, I, I continue to want to learn more and am going to keep learning more about what, what you guys are doing. For anybody else, for our listeners who want to learn more, uh, you mentioned before, maybe ask questions who Maybe they want to get involved somehow. How can people learn more about what you're doing, get in contact with you, check out what you're doing? Yeah. So first head to our website at B-I-O-M-I-L-Q.com. Or you can send us a note at hello at biomilk.com. That goes directly to our team, and we can figure out how to respond to you. Um, or we are active on social media. I am active on LinkedIn. You're always welcome to reach out. You know, I, I get a pretty steady amount of reach outs, and some are, are kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, it's interesting or it's novel. And there's about one a week where I get someone who's like, you are solving the problem of my life, and I don't know what I can help you with, but what can I help you with? <laughs> um, and we, we get it. We're solving something that's so important to so many people that um, – some of our favorite teammates have, have joined us in that manner. Some of our favorite interviews we've had with parents or with stakeholders or with doctors have come from someone who just really believes in what we're doing or uh, has a lot of deep and probing questions about what we're doing, and we learn a lot from communicating with one another. So our, our online virtual doors are always open. Feel free to reach out and connect with us. And until then, we appreciate all the support that we've received and even all the criticism. I think it makes us better and stronger and able to make a product that will be eventually better for babies and for parents. For everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.